turn tonight for a little while in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he altogether for our sakes? And then he answers the question, for our sakes, no doubt. This is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that hath thresh, he that thresheth in hope should be a partaker of this hope. I want to preach to you about the plowman tonight. The plowman. He said, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox. You know, they say there's a thousand one uses for, for uh, duct tape. But duct tape doesn't fix stupid. It does muzzle, muzzle the sound, though. It does quiet them down a little bit. Does God care for the oxen? Is that what he's really interested in? Or is it altogether for our sakes? And then he answers it, it is for our sakes. Let's talk about it a little while tonight. Savior, we love you for what you've given to us, the hope you've provided. We ask you to bless in this service. Let the word of God bring revelation to us. We pray these things in the wonderful name of the Lord. And somebody said amen. Does God care about oxen? Well, certainly he does. There's one scripture in the book of Jeremiah that talks about the lamb and the ox, and it seems like it's a strange paradox between the two, where a lamb seems so gentle and an ox seems so so awkward and so uncoordinated, but yet um, the Bible talks about them together in the scripture as being led to a slaughter, and they are comparable to that. I was in the meat business, and I went to the slaughterhouse and watched the the uh, the line of cattle as they were going to the slaughterhouse and whether you believe it or not animals sense their destiny and these animals that was headed towards the slaughterhouse they were in a big field and they narrowed them down to where they were walking in one line to the slaughterhouse and as they approached that one line they became very rebellious they tried to climb out of the fence they snorted and they stomped and they had to prod them into the slaughterhouse. Well, is God interested in oxen? Is he interested in cattle? Does he use the references of the Bible uh, just to be concerned about farmland, plowing, and cattle, and oxen, and sheep, and goats? Uh, yet the scripture said, well, he used that as an allegory, as an example for our sake. Now, I take you to the book of James because I want to move into our lesson rapidly. James chapter 5, verse number 7 said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You'll notice that he's talking here about farming, fruit, husbandmen. It's 
talking about raising a crop, having a harvest. Then he talks about the husbandman that is waiting patiently for the fruit of the harvest. And he has a long patience for it. So I ask you, is he interested in the husbandman or is he interested in the fruit of the tree as he would be interested in the oxen of the field? I say yes, but more for our sake. So this passage of scripture has a little uh, little typical part of it that he's talking more about us than he is the harvest of the field and the husbandman of the field. And so he said, be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 talks about climate change and I believe in climate change. Don't swallow your tongue. I do. Look at this scripture. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So I believe in climate change. What I don't believe is that it's man-made. I believe it's God-made. It's God-made. These people that don't believe in God chose climate change as their theme song and didn't realize that it's biblical. If they would have realized it's biblical, they wouldn't be talking about it. But it is biblical. Seed time and harvest will continue, hot and cold. Climate change, in other words, will continue. It's not a man-made deal. It is a God thing. And let me just add something to you. How many of you have ever been to Yosemite? You've been to Yosemite. It was carved out by glaciers. They say millions of years ago, whatever, however long ago it was, that glaciers carved that out. There wasn't one automobile. There was a very few human beings in the earth. And yet the glaciers melted and, mounted and carved out the Yosemite Valley. So I say it's not a man thing. It's a God thing. What God's doing is preparing this earth for the rapture of the church. He's preparing this church for the world to come to an end. Not what AOC is saying in 12 years. She's not some super spiritual person that knows when the world's going to come to an end. The world can come to an end today. I believe God thing, not man thing. I believe God knows what he's doing. So does God care about the oxen? Does he care about the field? Does he care about the harvest? Is he talking about that? Or is he really talking about this for us? Four major things he spoke about in climate change. And it was going to remain as long as there was an earth. And it was seed time and harvest. It was heat and cold. It was summer and winter. It was day and night. And it will not cease. 51 times in the Bible, it talks about the harvest. The husbandman is always the farmer. And in this case, Scripture's talking about the Lord as the husbandman. Jesus spoke many times about the field. He spoke many times about the seed. He talked many times about the harvest. A seed is a very interesting thing. When you look at seeds, uh, some things are not healthy for some bodies and some health in certain people's lives, but seed, seeds are very important. Almost everything, now they're developing things without, they, I just read today where they're developing a lemon without seeds. And they said people's going to want to pay a little bit more for it because they won't have to worry about the seeds in their lemon. 
Well, I can spit a seed out of my lemonade. I don't have to pay more for it. Seeds are important. The reproductive part of farming is all made out of seeds. Everything has a seed. So seed time and harvest would continue. So was he really interested in the farm? Was he really interested in agriculture? The Lord spoke of famine. Was it really food that he was talking about? The prophet said there would be a famine, not of food, but of hearing the word of God. So almost everything in the typology part of the Bible refers to things, but it really references them as a part of us to learn a lesson from them. So the order of the agricultural field is given in Scripture in so many ways, so many places. First, there's the purchase of a field. It is told the story of that in the Bible. There's the cultivation, the plowman that cultivates the ground and prepares it for the seed. There's the irrigation of the field, the harvesting of the field. And then there's the plowman that comes back in. So two different areas. The plowman comes first to prepare the ground for planting. And then after the harvest or sometimes before the harvest is complete, if the fruit is too ripe, they have to plow it under. So two times the plowman comes to the field. Is he interested in the plowman? Well, he may be if he's a Christian, wants to live for God, but he's really more interested in explaining to us some things uh, in a spiritual and a biblical sense. Uh, so then he went on to say, break up the fallow ground of your heart. The fallow ground or fallow uh, ground really has to do with your own heart. He speaks to that of being your heart, but it is the unplanted, uncultivated untilled ground so the plowman must come to cultivate or to prepare your heart to receive the word of God now I usually pray before service that God would give direction during a service and revelation from the word of God that you could receive the word of God and that is when you're praying the plowman comes and begins to break up the fallow ground of your heart and prepare you for the word of God. This is just all explanation why God used so much agriculture in his teaching because he wants us to prepare our heart as untilled ground, uncultivated ground. And I want the, I want the plowman to come tonight and work in our hearts so we can be ready to receive something from the Lord. This is not just a, a gathering this is not just a meeting place. This is not just a social event. This is where God talks to you. I'm not a super spiritual person. I'm not any higher or any more noble than any of you. Uh, but right now I am the mouthpiece of God. And God will use what I say. But he won't always take what I say. He'll turn that somehow so that he feeds everybody in this building. He'll take the words. and tra That's the power and the miracle of preaching. It'll transform the words that I say from a human perspective. And while you're sitting there, if you're mindful of what's going on, there's a plowman coming to your heart and plowing your heart and getting you ready to receive something from the Lord. And while this side or this individual may hear something different totally than this person, uh, we still know that God is in the message uh, to make sure everyone is fed in a service. And we don't take lightly what we do here. We don't just prepare lessons or work with scriptures uh, to, to just tickle your ears. We want, a, we want the mind of God. 
We want you to be able to break up the fallow ground, that unteal, uncultivated area of your heart, area, the area of your heart that you reserve for only you and nobody else. But remember, God knows where that untealed, unplowed, uncultivated area of your heart is. And he wants, you to, he wants you to allow the word of God, the plowman, to come and plow that part of your heart, the fallow ground of your heart, the untealed part of your heart. Peter made this reference in 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his, of his coming? He's talking about the harvest. Where's the promise of his coming? When we read a little bit later in the book of Revelation, it talks about that harvest. And so they've said, since the fathers fell asleep, we've heard that there's going to be a harvest. We've heard that there is a plant, should be a planting. But how many people are really preparing for the harvest? How many are really allowing the word of God to plow your heart and break up the fallow ground of your heart? Because there's coming a harvest. Or since the fathers fell asleep, we've heard it. We've heard Jesus is coming. Oh, um, I'm telling you, he's coming. He's not coming because somebody says he's coming. He's coming because he said he's coming. It's a God thing. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. And so tonight I just want to talk about the plowman a little bit for you to understand that we are facing a harvest. Did he say all of this about agriculture because he was interested in the farmland? Well, he might be interested in the farmland in one side of the picture, but really he's interested in you understanding that you are good ground. Four kinds of ground. One crown... The wayside, one ground, stony side, good stony ground, thorny ground. But what was the fourth one? It was good ground. And even in the good ground, he said it brings forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. So I want to see all of us bringing forth 100 fold. Well, what that takes is making sure that your good ground is cultivated right, that your heart is open to receive the word of God. And understand the word of God and what you need in your life. Preaching is not just some little thing that we get up here and act the fool. The Bible said the foolishness of preaching. We don't turn red in the face and scream and holler just because we want to. It's the anointing of God that comes so that everybody in this building can feel the effects of preaching. You didn't come tonight to receive a speech. You came to hear from God. Why don't you listen to God? I don't say listen to me. I'm not saying listen to me. I'm not an orator. But I can tell you one thing. If God's in it, it's a God thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a God thing. And if you'll listen to the preach word of God, he knows how to change your life and fix your life where you can be productive and ready and ripe for the harvest. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is coming. I defy that spirit that came in here right now. It causes whoa, ho, ho, hum, ho, hum, ho, hum. I'm not talking about Christmas either. Oh, no, that's ho, ho, ho. It's an attitude that we get. Well, I've heard that since the fathers fell asleep. You're going to hear it again tonight. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? You have your heart ready. Are you expecting him? Since the fathers fell asleep, things continue as they were. Well, yes, a lot of things continue as they were. 
But prophecy is being unfolded while we speak. Things are changing while we speak. I heard, well, in 1950, 1950 to 1960, knowledge doubled. And the Bible talks about knowledge doubling in the Old Testament. Then now, every three months, knowledge doubles. The Internet brings ability to research. No, but we are not smarter people. We're really a little lazier people because we don't expect the harvest to come because we're too interested in learning what's going on in our world. And I like to read current events, but I never want to forget the great current event that Jesus Christ could come today. He could come today. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Oh, I could preach that for a while. I believe the reason the Lord has not come is because you're not ready. You want the Lord to come? Get ready. He's not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any perish. Oh, God, help us today. The reason Jesus has not come yet, he's waiting on somebody. I don't know who will be the last one to go down in the watery grave in Jesus' name. I don't know who will be the last one to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I don't know who the last one will be to repent of their sins. But I'm telling you, whoever that last one will be, uh, will be so thankful. Tim Clevenger, you touched my spirit Sunday night. You opened my heart because you prayed like you hadn't prayed in a long time. I know you're hungry for God. I'm telling you, saints, it's time for us to seek the face of God and know we're living in, we're living in perilous times, difficult times. But we're not looking to the world for our answers. We're, looking, we're not even looking to a political party for our answers. We're looking for Jesus for our answers. We're looking for the word of God to give us an answer. Listen to this, but that day should not come, lest first there is a fallen away, one scripture said. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I feel sorry for churches today that don't believe in praying after church, before church, during church, at home, before the meal, after the meal, before you go to bed, when you get up in the morning. I feel sorry for people that don't have a touch with God. God is just as real as your thumb. Quit sucking it and get on living for God and do what's right. I didn't get my way. Oh, no. Oh, no. God wants you to grow up and be a Christian. Be strong in the faith. We're on the way to the rapture of the church. We're on the way for the coming of the Lord. Are you ready for the harvest? If you're not ready for the harvest, let the plowman come tonight. Let the plowman come. My, the power of temptation is very strong. But the power of repentance is stronger. I want to say that again. The plow power of temptation is strong. But the power of repentance is stronger. Don't let a day go by that you don't say, God, guide me today, keep me today, protect me today. I want to be saved. The Lord's Prayer taught us to ask forgiveness every day, didn't it? Why don't we do it? 
Maybe we want to stay in our sin. Temptation is strong, but let me tell you, and I'm not going to preach on it, but I'd like to. Repentance is stronger than the power of temptation. But that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness? I got a text this week. And a little girl says, I'm not going to use that God word in vain anymore because God touched my body. And she's just about that tall, about as tall as I used to be. And then she's starting to learn about God. We don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Jesus is a hallowed name. It's a name that is above every name. It's a name that all of the host of heaven, in heaven and in earth, are named. A name that is above every name in heaven and in earth. I'm glad to know the name of Jesus today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on, on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Oh, can I preach there just for a few minutes? Are you sick and tired of the unrighteousness of our world? Are you sick and tired of murders and the innocence and killing our old people? Are you tired of the, the, the evil that's in our world, the perplexity of nations, the struggle that we're going through? You ever get sick and tired of that? We're going to a place wherein dwelleth righteousness. I hope I can build some faith in you tonight. We're not just ordinary people walking in this earth. We're the children of the Most High God. We have a name that is above every name. As was preached here Sunday night, we have an inheritance that's greater than anything in the world. You know, the greatest thing you can leave your children is not money. It's not property, houses, and lands. The greatest thing you can leave your children is a heritage and a legacy. That heritage is believing in Jesus Christ and living for him with all of your heart. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like we're a bunch of people that believe in the coming of the Lord. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. I, don't have, I won't go to it, but there's another scripture that said, he will present you to himself blameless, without spot. Without blemish. He's going he's gonna to present you in your earthly state, mind, lifestyle, having been born again, baptized in Jesus' name, but not perfected in this life. He's going to present you to himself and say, I'm excited to have you. You're my children. Called by my name. Ready for the harvest. Hallelujah. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. His promises, though there are many, I can just mention a couple real quick. The coming of the Messiah is written about in the Old Testament. It's prophesied throughout the Old Testament. It's fulfilled in the New Testament, but also is the second coming of the Lord. The promise of the Holy Ghost poured up out, out upon all flesh. Joel spoke about it. Isaiah said with stammering lips and another tongue would he speak to this people. These are promises. I received that promise. How about you? 
That's a promise. It's a gift, as was preached Sunday night. It's a gift. I, I'm telling you, I like what I feel in this house. I like what God's doing. God is not slack concerning his promise. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, be diligent, that you be found of him in peace without spot and without blemish. I go back to one of my early scriptures, and let's talk about it just a little bit. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. How long and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Now, the latter rain was a doctrinal flop that went through the country a few years ago, but it wasn't that latter rain that they tagged on it. The latter rain is the latter outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The early outpouring of the Holy Ghost was in the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2. First day it was poured out, 3,000 people received the Holy Ghost. Later on, three to 5,000 received the Holy Ghost, and it grew till it covered all of Asia at that time. There's a latter outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Brother French tells us there's 30 million in China, in the underground church, that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you ashamed of being Pentecost in this last day? It used to be something that they looked down on a little bit, but today everybody wants to talk in tongues or talk about it, and they want to say they have the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, when you really get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's a power that comes in your life that you need to know and live by and, and walk by and talk by and act by and let the Holy Ghost guide your life. Oh, hallelujah. He hath long patience for it. Matthew chapter 9, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into his harvest. Is he interested in the field, the harvest, the agriculture, or is he really talking about this last day that we're in? Will you understand what he's really talking about? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. What harvest is he talking about? He's talking about that final harvest, the precious fruit of the earth. I, I want to rebuke something right now. You ready for this? I want to rebuke a spirit of doubt and confusion. You are not just an ordinary person. Quit belittling yourself. Every once in a while we say, we do this around here. We have greet and meet. Find somebody. We are somebody. You're not a nobody anymore. You're a child of the king. You bear his name. You have a right to all that he has, all that he is. You're a child of the king. Get your head up. Recognize who you really are. You have a name that is above every name. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody get happy about who we are. We can rejoice about who we are. He's coming back after a people that are looking for him. That's scripture. Have you looked for him today? How many times do you go out and you see a cloud and say, that'd be a beautiful cloud for the Lord to come back on? Are you looking for him? Or do you just go through the day and, and not caring about the coming of the Lord, so caught up with the world? What do you say we make some changes in our life and start preparing for the final harvest that's coming, the final wrap-up of it all? 
Oh, I know. I felt that spirit come right back since the fathers fell asleep. We've heard about this coming of the Lord. It hasn't happened. So I have time to play. I have time to goof off. Oh, no, friend. We're at the end of the world. You don't have time to mess around right now. He's waiting on the final harvest. Hallelujah. Send some labors into the field. Parable of the weeds in Matthew chapter 13. Another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. I just want to preach a moment on this. This was not talking about a field necessarily. It was a parable. He was relating that, that good seed has been placed in hearts of people, but the enemy comes while people slept. Not necessarily in a bed, but just became lazy and lackadaisical, not concerned about who you are. Was he concerned about oxen? Was he concerned about agriculture? Or is he concerned about you being the precious fruit of the earth? Is he concerned about you being saved? I say he's more concerned about you than he is the fields. He's more concerned about you than he is the crops in the fields. He's relating this to you so you would understand you need to prepare your heart and life for the coming of the Lord. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. So when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared tares also. So the servants came and said, oh, householder, listen to what we got to do. Did we not sow good seed in the ground? Did we not find that which is tares now coming up? And they said, an enemy hath done this. You know, when you start realizing who the enemy of your soul is, you make a better overcomer. You got to remember the enemy of your soul does not want you to worship. He doesn't want you to live for God. He's going to bring things that'll bring condemnation. You know what? We need to we need to we need to kick condemnation out. Quit taking the tuckhead. Temptation is powerful. I know it's powerful, but so is the power of repentance. Why hold your head down? Say, hey, I refuse to live that way. I'm not going to let temptation get me. I'm an overcomer. I wonder if anybody could shout that. Don't be afraid to shout it. Don't be afraid to look the devil in the eye and say, hey, I have more power than you have. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm a powerful person in God. What do you want us to do now? You want us to go gather all this up and burn them? He said, no, just let it go. You know, people that understand the crops and understand the field, there's, there's a time to get rid of the weeds, but there's a time to let the weeds grow. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry whether they're going to make it or not. Don't worry whether they're doing right or wrong. Get it for yourself and live it for yourself and make it your, your goal. I'm going to be precious fruit. I'm not going to spoil on the vine. I'm not going to drop unpicked to the ground. I'm going to be precious fruit. Why let the devil defeat you? Why let the world defeat you? Why let temptation defeat you? When you're the best, the strongest, the greatest, the, great, the, the greatest hope in the world, God's church, he's coming after somebody that recognizes I'm precious I'm precious. I'm valuable. He said, no, no, don't do that. It's too late in the harvest. It's not time to fret about those that are not going to make it. It's time to make sure we're going to make it. 
It's time to look for the precious fruit. We're too close to the final harvest. He said, let them grow together until the harvest, the time of the harvest. I'll say that the reapers gather ye in the tares first, but then gather the rest into the barn. Hallelujah. God's preparing us for the final ingathering. Oh, you know, you know when you say that as a preacher, you, it just feels like it just goes right out there and comes right back and slaps you in the forehead. Because people are so used to hear the coming of the Lord. I wish we could get excited about it enough that we'd be in church every time the doors are open. Oh, you just want us to come hear you preach. No, I only preach once a week usually, so don't worry about that. You need to be here every time the doors are open. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. Get excited about it. When we get to singing songs of Zion, my, when those words are on the board, some goofy people are so, so, well, anyway, they're stuck with a songbook in their hand. That's all right if you like songbooks, but some things, the Bible said, sing a new song. When you see a new song up there and it's exalting the Lord, I don't like songs that exalt men and say, I'm going to be this or I'm going to be. I like songs that say, God's going to be. This is a God thing. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing. When you begin to sing songs of Zion, it, it should give you hope. Worship time is when you get involved with God. Don't come to church and wait for the preacher. Sometimes we're a dud. Sometimes we're all right. Sometimes we're very good. Sometimes we're anointed. <laughs> but don't wait on that. Get in the spirit of a church service. Start worshiping God. I'm a precious fruit. I want to make sure my spirit is right. I want to make sure my heart is plowed right. I want to receive something from God. I want God to do something on my life. I want God to touch my spirit. I want my spirit right. So I'm worshiping. I'm blessed, I'm blessed every day that I live. I am blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Oh, hallelujah. I'm blessed because I have a name that is above every name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Revelation chapter 14, verse number 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Does he care about a sickle? Is that what he's talking about? And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat in the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe, precious fruit. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine, 
of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. You see, I want to be in that first in gathering. I don't want to be thrust into the wrath of God. Now, maybe we don't preach enough judgment for you to understand what that wrath of God is. That's the final judgment of all things. I want to be in that first harvest of precious fruit. Because when you are in that last harvesting, that's, that's the fruit that is left hanging that's overripe. It's not good for the market. It's not good for anything. Years ago, I went by a field here in Kern County, and you can do it every season. But I first noticed it years ago that they were plowing in the cantaloupe. The reason they were plowing the cantaloupe in was they'd got too ripe. Too ripe in the heat. They were rotting in the fields. So the plowman came. You see, the plowman comes to get the ground ready. The plowman comes so the seed can be planted. There's cultivation. But then there's a second plowman, as this scripture said of the sickle, the second sickle that came. And those were thrust into the winepress of the wrath of God. And so I watched as that tracker plowed in the ground fruit that otherwise would have been sent to the market, but it just rotted in the fields. They couldn't get to it in time. I could preach on for a little bit about our kids and our families that are not in church. Don't live a hypocritical life in front of your kids. They'll rot in the field. Be a true Christian everywhere you are. I don't want somebody to look at me and say, oh, I'm not going to go to church because of you. I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites. Who was it that said something about the preacher talked to somebody because they hadn't been there in a while? They said, well, there's so many hypocrites in the church. He said, we got room for one more. Too many hypocrites in the church? Well, I'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with hypocrites. I'd rather go to church with backbiters than go to hell with backbiters. I'd rather go to church with people that are not right with God than go to hell with people that are not right with God. Why would you get mad at God because somebody else is not right with God? You be right with God. You be precious fruit. You live for God with all of your heart. You make sure you're ready. You live for God with everything that's in you. You make sure you're precious fruit. Oh, hallelujah. Let the plowman come and cultivate that, un, that fallow ground of your heart, that un, uncultivated, untealed part of your heart so you can hear the seed, the word of God, and it grow in you and become what you really want to become. And I'm going to close as the musicians come, but before they, before they distract you, let them come, but don't look at them. Because this is my real scripture tonight. Found the book of Amos chapter 9. Behold, the days come, verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. Fields where the plowman overtakes the reaper. 
I don't know how, how much time we have to get the crop in. I don't know how much time we have to get people saved. I don't know how much time we have to get our children prayed through. Don't ever feel bad we don't have preaching on Sunday night once in a while when our children are praying. I want our children full of the Holy Ghost. I want our children to have power in their bodies, their minds, their soul, so they can combat the spirit of the world and live for God. Our children need apostolic Holy Ghost filled services. That's why we have 50 kids at our youth choir sometimes, because we have young people that want to live for God. Don't let your young people sit at home when there's youth service, even if it's a, what, scavenger hunt. Get your young people here and get them involved with good young people. Don't let them get involved with the world. They'll rot in the fields. There's precious fruit. My children, my grandchildren, hardly a day goes by that I don't ask God to keep our kids and grandkids in truth. Hardly a day goes by that I don't try to get God's attention for our kids and our grandkids because I want them saved. I want them precious fruit. The plowman's going to overtake the reaper, my friend. The reaping is going on. There's a harvest going on right now. People are coming to God. People are living for God. But there's a plowman coming that's going to plow it all under that's not ready for the ripe, ripe fruit. Stand with me if you would. But as you stand tonight, I want you to think about this. The plowman's coming. For some, recently the plowman came to plant some seeds of good ground in your heart and life. But there's another plowman coming where the harvest could not get in the barn. We couldn't get to them fast enough. We couldn't have powerful service enough. I rebuke that spirit of laziness that says church is just ordinary. We need to have powerful church. We don't need to have ordinary church. We don't need to have good church. We need to have great church. Good is mediocre, but great is magnanimous, powerful. You know how you do it? When everybody in the house from the front to the back lifts their hands and worships God and gives God honor and praise and exalts the name of the Lord. We're not here to exalt the preacher. We're here to exalt God. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to make Jesus' name what it is. We need to have church like we've never had church. Even right now, we need to worship like we've never worshiped. Somebody in this building might need a touch of the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody might need a plow into their heart so something can happen in their spirit. I wonder what you would do if one of your children walked through the door right now that's backslid and said, I'm hungry for God. And everybody just stood by and watched. You'd get mad and walk out probably because you never got excited when somebody else's kid came hungry for God. We need to be hungry for God so much, it doesn't matter whose kid comes first, because your kid's coming next. Your family's coming next. God knows how to put it all back together. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? I got it. Oh, there's a good touch of the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I wonder if you want to let God plow your heart right now. So he can plant something of faith in your spirit, in your life, that God can give you some real direction right now. God can help you understand we're at the end of the world. It's not time to play church. It's not time to act church. It's time to have church. It's time to let the healing virtue of Almighty God work in this place. We need miracles. We don't need to play church. 
We need some healing in this house. We need some miracles in this house. Am I, am I, am I just preaching to dead soil and no uncultivated soil? Am I talking to somebody that really believes? We need some healing in this house. We need some miracles in this house. We need... Are you through? It's just 8.30. Can we just have a miracle tonight? Can we just have something happen tonight in the next few minutes that will change a life, change a direction, give somebody hope, give somebody faith? I'm telling you, the plowman's going to overtake the reaper one of these days. What are we going to do about it, church? Are we more interested in hamburgers and going for a little social outing? Or we decided we want to be good ground and we want to receive good seed and we want to be a powerful saint of God. We want to be a witness to this world, dark society that we live in. We want to be a church that believes in repentance and the power of the Holy Ghost. We want to be a church that believes God can fix anything, do anything. He's above everything. He's through everything. He's in everything. He's our God. Oh, lift your voice together. Lift your voice together. You deserve the glory. Lift your voices together. And the honor. Oh, yes. I lift my oh, hands yes. to worship as I bless your holy name. You deserve the glory. 